It's been a great day in, in, in church so far. Uh, I'm excited to share this word that God put in my heart. Um, what I love about our church, um, one of the things I love is that I, I really feel that, that God, God has taken us somewhere. And even though it's like the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, man, you guys have been like so engaged, coming to church, giving and doing everything that, that God is asking you to do. And what I love about that is, is God's been speaking to me like crazy about you, um, about you. I, I said this on Wednesday night. So many people come up to me after, my, after I preach and they say, Pastor Julian, that word was for me. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, I have a job that God gave me to preach words for you. And, and although it's like, cool, but who else would it be for? You got to understand that you are so valuable to God that God would rip Christina and I out of our old life, not let us do all the things that we wanted to do so that he could speak to us for you. So, of course, the word was for you because God cares that much about you. You know, the Bible says that because God loved Israel, he raised up David. And I think so many times, like, if you think at all, I'm not saying this is your moment to honor me as a great pastor, but I'm saying if at all, you think I'm a great leader or a great pastor, I want you to have that verse burnt. Because God loved you, he raised up a great leader. It's not because God loved me that he raised me up, because God loved you. So every word is for you, like it's for you. Like it's for you. And I feel like God's been speaking to me that most of the messages he gives me are, are gonna be about two things, to help you uh, for what you're going through and where you're going to. Because so many times we let what we're going through stop where we're going to. Or, or, or damage our faith, right? We're going through so much, we feel like we're going nowhere. But most of my failure has been favor in disguise. Oh man, I'm already preaching, come on. I need to put, most of, it was good, Elise, thank you so much. I'm gonna say it again, I'm gonna say it again. I said, most of my failure has been favor in disguise. And so I feel qualified to preach about favor because there's been so much fa fa favor that I thought was failure. See, there's something in your life that you're calling failure that's really favor. And so this is not a time to like not, that's why I love, you gotta come to church every Sunday because listen, I, God's been waking me up in the middle of the night for you and it's, it, it'll be on the podcast, but it's different where you can be in here and you can worship God first and do all that. So thank you for, for being here. I, I want to preach this message uh, called Dream House. My wife and I have been believing to, to purchase our dream house. And uh, we rent. It's cool. It's all good. You know what I mean? Like we just out here trying to, you know, do what God's called us to do. And I feel like God's been changing my definition of a dream house a definition of a, of, a, of a dream house. We used to, uh, when we first got married, my wife and I would walk around Toluca Lake. <laughs> Toluca Lake, come on, Pacific Palisades, Beverly Hills, Brim. We'd walk around Toluca Lake, and when we first got married, we'd walk around there so much, people thought we lived there. We would push our kids through the neighborhood. <laughs> like, I'm not saying we walked around like weird people, like, Lord, give us a, we would walk around with our kids in the neighborhood and wave at people. <laughs> And they were like, you live here? Nope, Van Nuys, just believing. <laughs> Not kidding. I wish getting our car from Van Nuys and drive over. And, and lately, God's been changing my perspective a little bit. And he's saying, hey, I want to bring you the dream house. 
And I don't know what you're believing for. Maybe it's not a dream house. Maybe it's a dream career, dream relationship. But everybody in here has a dream. And I believe that God wants me to speak to that dream this morning. So I want you to turn your, your Bibles to Psalm 127. And it starts off, interestingly, with this statement, unless the Lord builds the house. Uh, we are, I like the 1 p.m. Who said that? Like, I didn't even get to the message. I don't even get to the point. I just say, unless the Lord builds the house. She says, hallelujah. I'm going to test that when I say, I'm about to get something to eat. Amen. You wouldn't listen to the word. You just like saying amen. Uh, unless the Lord builds the house. Are you, are you building something for God? Because we love to think it's God and he's not involved. We're doing it for God. I just want to do it for God. I just want to, I just want to, no, unless the Lord builds the house. Right? So if you're building this thing and you're like, God, this is for you, but I'm going to overwhelm myself to pull it off. And when I get in trouble, God, I'll ask you for help. But that's not what it says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the, the, the work of the builders is wasted. That original Hebrew translation is in vain, meaning it has no value. So you'll work your whole life building something so you can look at it and say, ah, that wasn't it. You think it's bad. I know some of you are believing for breakthrough and believing for the promotion and believing to book the thing and do the thing and do the this and the that. And there is nothing worse than waiting for God to do something and waiting for that thing to happen in your life. There's nothing worse than that except one thing, that thing happening and you finding out it wasn't it. It's nothing worse. I know you, you're believing for more finance, but there's nothing worse. The only thing worse than not having money is having money and finding out that wasn't it. Nothing worse than not getting promotion except getting the promotion and finding out you're still mad. You're still angry. You still don't like your cousin and them. And it doesn't do what you thought it would do. He says, unless the Lord does it, you won't value that. You won't enjoy it. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with his sentries, unless the Lord guards it, it'll do no good. It says it is useless for you to work so hard. Stop. God's saying this. Hey, here's what he's saying to me. Maybe he's saying it to you, but he said this to me. I'm no longer blessing anxious work. Sending 50,000 emails and, oh my gosh, God, you think it's all on you? It's not all on you. He's like, I, I can't bless anxious work. I don't want you to think that your work works. I don't want you to think that works. I blessed it in the last season because you needed it. But in this season, I'm going to make you go through some real, no more anxious work, church. You got to declare war on anxiety. I would rather, I know you got dreams. I know you got a career. But David said this, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know what he was saying? I'd rather have the smallest job in the biggest deal than to have the biggest, most prosperous job in something that God don't care about. That's what he was saying. And so what happens is it's like you actually need less money so that because it helps you know God. Because anytime God gives you anything, it's just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Some of y'all, like I can see on your laptop where the keys is worn out. And it's a badge of honor. You look at that, you don't even get a new one because you just love to see how your fingers all nubs, your fingers all nub. You ain't got no nails anymore because you just... 
And God's like, will you chill? Will you chill out? You know what's crazy? When I was growing up, the old folks used to say, take a chill pill. And now chill is found in a pill. It was almost like they were given a prophecy that you have people who can't chill without a pill, but chill in peace is a person. His name is Jesus. I'm telling you, you got to stop with all the anxiety. It's killing you. It's killing you. He says, it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. They say by 2023, the, the sleep aid industry will be worth $104 billion, half of which is taken in North America. Christians can't sleep. People can't sleep. And God is saying, you guys, like what is the point of toiling and stressing? Do you know how many people that I, I, I love to pastor people, but I hope that I don't have to pastor people the rest of my life because their career goals aren't happening. It's like, that's all people talk about. It's like, God, I just, where are you? I've been at this law firm for 12 years and I'm not a partner yet. And I'm like, that sounds like you winning. You got a law degree? I went to DeVry for two weeks and quit. You got a law degree? You actually are doing something? I went to that school where that one dude was on there yelling, you ain't got no job, right? Do something. What's that one dude? That one school where that black dude was yelling at people? That's where I went. You're doing all right. Stop worrying. Stop stressing. God's saying, will you trust me in this season? Stop. Don't do that anymore. And then he says, I give rest. I want to give you rest. Precious sleep. The Bible says God never sleeps or slumbers. Why? So you can. God's always working. You know, in the Bible, there would be this false god named Baal. And in this beautiful scripture in, I believe, 1 Kings 17 and 18, where Elijah is battling the false prophets, and Elijah's praying to his god, and, and Baal and, and the false prophets are praying to their god. And, and Elijah's just chilling, because his god never sleeps or slumbers. And, and, the, and all the Bible scholars agree that Baal was perceived to be a god who took long naps. So they would make a lot of noise to wake up their god out of a slumber. And that's what we do sometimes in church on Sunday. We act like God is asleep. We act like God is like not paying attention to what we're going through. So we come up here and we make noise and we shout really loud prayers and God's saying, hey, I'm awake, I've been awake, I see that, will you rest? I got it. I got it. I got it. And he's saying, I need you to do this. Now, here's the thing, unless the Lord builds a house, when I pray about God building my house, I, I'm like, maybe I got a little bit more ways to go, but I think about money. White picket fence. Come on, four-car garage. I don't even two, I'm up to four. I want a guest house that don't nobody even live in. Don't try to live with me. I'm just gonna go in there. I got a guest house. There ain't nobody even in there. No guests, pool, heated. Come on, anybody want a house like that? Cool. When you think about God building your house, tell me you don't think about money. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, all these holy people not raising their hand. No, I think about the kingdom and his peace and his glory manifesting in all that I do. Yeah, okay. I can tell you ain't got no money. Because it's a real temptation. 
right? It's a real temptation. So I'm thinking about uh, if the Lord builds a house, I'm like, okay, if I let God build it, okay, I'm going to be prosperous. My house is going to be amazing. Jesus was a carpenter. He's not going to build me a small house, right? If the Lord builds a house, he's going to build me a big house, the house that I want. But then all of a sudden he's saying, unless the Lord builds a house, I'm thinking about money, size of the house, swimming pool, come on, hot, hot tub, come on now. And the next thing he says is, children are a gift from the Lord. Wait, 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 hold on. Hold on, Jesus. You said if I let you build the house, why are you talking to me about kids? Okay, have you met my kids? I love them. My son, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago actually, uh, hit a kid in the kids' ministry. Just like the kid took a toy from him, my son was like, fire, fired on him, right? And I get home and I find out about it, I'm like, yo, man, you, you got, like, we're the pastors, man, you gotta chill. And uh, I wish I was telling you a joke. I said, Dallas, you hit a kid and, and kids today? He said, yeah, but I pray for Jesus to heal him. I said, what? What? I said, what? He said, yeah. I punched him, then he started crying, and I said, Jesus, will you heal him? And then... Now that's some faith. Now that's the craziest thing I ever heard. That's like you stealing somebody's money and then believing for provision for them. You just take the half of the contract. I'm believing God will provide for you. <laughs> That's not the way it works. But, but my children are a blessing. And if I'm not careful, I get so overwhelmed trying to provide for them, they turn into a liability, but they're actually an asset. Now, I want to catch this, because some, some people in this room, 71% of our church is single. Many people in this room don't, don't have kids. Many people in this room may be married, trying to have kids, and you can't. But it doesn't say that your kids are a blessing. It says children, all children. So I want to challenge somebody with something. Have you been a blessing to a child that doesn't belong to you? Because watch this. Children are a blessing from the Lord because here's why. Some of y'all are mentoring other kids and you're seeing God move in your life because you're mentoring other kids. I have this Clippers jacket on right now. Sorry, Laker fans, but it's fire. <laughs> Sands this on the back. You know, our merch. You know? And I get to be the team chaplain of the LA Clippers. Now, I thought about this. I enjoy that. But you know I've been mentoring a young kid that wants to go to the NBA? And I thought about this thought the other day. What if the only reason I'm the chaplain of an L.A. sports team is because I got a kid who wants to be in the NBA under my leadership? And so God has to put me in the place that he wants to be so he can see that you don't have to do it the way the world does it to get in that place. You can do it the way out. What if the greatest blessing that you have in this next season is because a 13-year-old is watching you? Do you have any children? Children are the blessing of the Lord. So th this is the thing. I, 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 I get it, man. The church, the ab abortion is at an all-time high. But if, you're, if I'm being honest, when I first came to church, it definitely wasn't the easiest place to find a babysitter. So I'm grateful for your vote, but somebody help me with these kids. That's what the single mom is saying. Will somebody help me with the groceries? Will somebody, will somebody give? So you sit up there and we don't give as a church. We're trying to be a blessing to single moms in Thanksgiving. And then we have people who sit in church that don't give, but they vote. Do you understand what I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, be, but I'm saying children are a blessing. Children are such a blessing. Children are so important. 
I'm so grateful we have men hearing from the Spirit of God they're, they're supposed to serve in kids' ministry. Now watch this. You might not feel you have nothing but a cup of water to your name. And you're running around giving that cup of water to agents and they don't want your cup of water. You're running around giving your cup of water to your boss and he doesn't want your cup of water. You, you run around giving your cup of water, but the Bible says if you give, Jesus said this out of his own mouth, if you give a cup of water to one of my little ones, I will reward you. You can have this much, this much. And God says, you, you give this much to a little kid. I'm, 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 I'm in. We got to be a church where kids is not a ministry, it's a lifestyle. It's what we do. We got to be with the young people. I got young, crazy people hanging out in my house all the time. We got to do it. Because this is the thing, he's going to give you a reward in this season, but you can't think your reward that you have, that's your dream house, dream job, dream promotion, is a bigger reward than a young person's life. I'm telling you, this will, every person in this room, just get someone 10 to 15 years younger than you. And if you're 15 or 10, like hang out with a pregnant lady or something, I don't know. Like, just start, I missed the cutoff. You know what I mean? But you're like, you're gonna be all right in there. Just start mentoring from that. This, this, this word is gonna count for everybody. Since children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So it says when you take care of your family, when you be, and I'm not talking just to married people, I'm talking about single people. When you look after your family, your, brother, your brothers and sisters in Christ are your family. It says when you look after your family, the enemy will be confronted at the gate. See, this is why I love our church services. Anybody, can you feel the tangible presence of God in our church services? It's so amazing. It's so amazing. The presence of God is so amazing at Oasis right now. The devil has no place in this church. He has no place in this service. But he will wait for you to get home. Because you're not letting the Lord build your house. You can come up here and you can worship and you can speak in tongues until your lips are chapped and then the enemy will wait for you to get home and say, how was church? Good, huh? Welcome home. He's eating a taquito, went all in your freezer. He's like, yeah, I didn't even put it in the oven. I warmed it up in my hand. Get it? I'm from hell. I can do that. It's perfect temperature. So how we doing? Not feeling good enough? Yep. You know your husband needs to help out more around here. You know? What you gonna do today? Stress? Yeah, I like that. That's good. And next thing you know, we're, 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 we're not letting God build, and the enemy's in our home, and you think that because you experience heaven at church on Sunday that you're not gonna experience hell at your address? He's like, I got a plan, we, got, we gotta wait. We gotta wait, we gotta wait until they're at home where they're all stressed out and overwhelmed. They never pray at home, they wait, they never read their word. That We can't do the church anymore, the church is too crazy. God's moving on Sundays. We gotta wait for them to get to the house. All they do is watch Pastor Julian on YouTube. Now, I know that's a lie because I got 800 views. <laughs> so whoever you watching, because it ain't me. It ain't me. 
It ain't me. But what, what about getting in your word so that the enemy, when he comes after you in your house, I might not have preached on that attack this week. I might not have preached on the content you got on the podcast. You got to have so much word in you that when he hits you, and we have created the church where the church is kind of like you come to watch the show and you come to hear what God told me, but I only preach one time a week. You got six other days you better have a word for. Who is the preacher for the other six days? Guess who? You. That's who. It's like Dr. Seuss. You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to be like, I'm my best preacher. I'm going to be my best preacher in this next season. Because guess what? Pastor Julian only has one day. I got the other six. So six out of seven days, I got to be my own T.D. Jakes. I got to be my own Pastor Julian. I got to be my own Stephen Furtick. I got to be my own preacher. I got to look in the mirror on Monday and say, God does have a plan for me. Not just because somebody said it, but because I read it for myself. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I can spend time, I haven't, but I could spend time with Beyonce. And I could tell you 50,000 stories about Beyonce. I could spend time with Beyonce. I could be Beyonce's pastor. And I could tell you 50,000 things about Beyonce, but you don't know Beyonce until you sit down with Beyonce. I could tell you all about her, but you don't know her. So I could tell you about Jesus every single Sunday, but until you sit down with Jesus, you'll never. You sit down with him. He'll tell you the same things he's telling me. He might tell you more. This is so important. And I feel like God's been showing me, Julian, you've been believing for your dream house, but I... I care more about what goes on inside than what you pull up to. Like I, 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 want, I got a different type of dream. Yes, I want to bless you with all that, but I'm thinking a little bit differently. And I said, okay, God, this, this message, dream house, I really believe everybody has a dream. This particular thing for me and my wife, we're really believing for a, a dream house. And I, I don't know what your thing is. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's something else. But I do believe God wants to do that. But I, I feel like he said to me, first things first. I want a dream house. You know where God's dream house is? I don't know if you knew this. If, well, maybe if you, I don't know if you knew this. I don't know if you've read through the whole New Testament. But Jesus is in the Gospels mostly, and he's a, a little bit towards the end. But I can't find where Jesus lived. He showed up. The Bible says he didn't have anywhere to go. There wasn't any room at the Marriott or the, there's nowhere for him to go. He was in a barn. There was no time where, so Jen, Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, then he went to the crib and chilled out for a minute. There was no, he didn't seem to own anything or have, so why didn't Jesus, he was our, he is our king. Why didn't he just come and build an amazing house and then, you know, or build an oasis church and have thousands of people in attendance and do conference and do all this stuff and do all this amazing stuff and do it, do it, do it, do it. Why didn't he do that? and reach the world. Because that wasn't where he wanted to live. He could have. I love Jesus. Jesus was such a G. I know we show pictures of him holding a lamb, but when Peter cut off the ear, he said, don't you know I could call on 10,000 legions of angels and they respond at once? So he could have had anything he wanted. Well, because Jesus' dream home was not in a building. 
It wasn't on the corner of Wilshire and Normandy. It was in your heart. And I think we spend so much energy building the dream home, you know, that we think with the pools or building the dream home that we think is a church. And we forget to tell people what Jesus' dream home is. None of those places. It's in your heart. I, wanna, I want you to, Ephesians 3.17 says this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. So the more you trust God, the deeper Jesus feels at home in your heart. Now, I know the fact that he'll never leave you or forsake you, but what kind of home do you want Jesus to live in? And I'm not saying you gotta be perfect, but this is what I'm saying. We love the theology, especially when we're deep in sin. Nobody's perfect. Well, we don't say that when we go to a restaurant and there's roaches crawling all over the plates. We don't say, nobody's perfect, give me a taco. But we don't do that. So we, 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 we want to eat at places that are clean. And God is so good, he'll live in your broken, unforgiving, angry heart. But he says, hey, before I give you your dream home, can you give me mine? Can we get rid of some of that stuff? And it's not about perfection, it's about progress. I don't know if you smoke like 40 joints a day, but I feel like God might be telling you, let's bring it down to 30 and see. <laughs> right? I know it's Thanksgiving, I'm not asking you to quit cold turkey. Get it? <laughs> That's way funnier than you laugh. This is my vintage stuff. You guys should be dying right now. That's hilarious. Hilarious. Cold turkey, Thanksgiving. Whew. He's like, can we start somewhere? Like, can we start somewhere? Little by little. Because you can't do it all. Maybe you can't quit, but can we start with, let's just bring it down. And I know you can do it. You know how I know you can do it? I know maybe you've got a girlfriend, you guys are having sex before marriage. Like, can we make one day holy? Just start somewhere. Because God's saying, I need to make my home in your heart. And most of us, this is how I know you can do it, most of us wouldn't do what we're doing if our mama was in the room, much less Jesus. You know, we've been around here 35 years, and we've never caught anybody smoking weed in the baptismal? Not one time. Now, if I went to your house, I'd probably like, I went to your, some of y'all glove compartment, but not one time, <laughs> right? I think we gotta be careful how we honor. I remember I got in the car one time with this one guy and we were listening and, and he, he gave me a ride home. I was gonna catch an Uber. And he said, I'll give you a ride home. And I jumped in his car and we get in his car and right when he turns on the ignition, the, the song he was listening to came on. It was like, mother, mother. It was like one of those rap songs. I mean, it was not even like, there wasn't one word in the song that wasn't cussing. And I remember he went, oh shoot. And like he was hitting the wrong buttons and he's hitting the wrong buttons and the song just going mother, 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 you mother. And he's like, ah, and then mother. And I'm just sitting there dying. So he finally gets the song off and he says, I'm sorry, Pastor Julian. <laughs> I said, sorry for what? He says, for you had to hear that. I said, when you on your way to church? <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, don't Jesus live in you? He said, yeah. I said, why are you worried about my ears? And I love Jesus. Jesus is so gracious. He'll sit in the car with you while you're like, mother. <laughs> and I think Jesus might even bob his head on a few of the parts, low key. 
Jesus, don't forget Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus was real. He loved people. He knew how to be around sinners. Jesus right now will go into a party where a sinner's doing a bunch of stuff and he'll just be like, and then he'll talk to you about salvation, right? <laughs> he will, he will. But then he'll say, hey, I need you to put your faith in me. I get it, but put your faith in me. Jesus was relatable. They loved him. The sinners loved him. It was the religious people who didn't like him. So I know it's possible. I, I know you can do it because we've never caught anybody doing that stuff in the baptismal. Why do you think that is? This is interactive. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, before I got saved, if a girl came to me and said, hey, let's, have, let's break into the church and have sex in the baptism, I'd have been like, what? You sick, twisted. <laughs> this is before I put my faith in Jesus. Why is that? What, what? Look, I mean, I, I get it. Light shining real bright on the cross. Water, perfect temperature, prayed over. Matter of fact, if you found out anybody did any of those things in there, you'd go, <gasps> but you do them in your own body and you don't go, <gasps> why? Because you've been brainwashed to believe that that is holy. But God didn't die to make that holy. He died to make you holy. So I got this revelation, because I've said this to a bunch of people before. If you could just learn to see yourself the way God sees you, you'll never learn to do that. Because no matter what you do, he sees you like you're Jesus. That's actually really hard. People need to learn to see themselves like God sees them. Yes, I think when we get to heaven, we'll finally pull that off. Like, in this life, though, and, and in the afterlife, we'll, I mean, when I say afterlife, I mean heaven. I'm, I'm, some of y'all's theology is like, I get to come back a bird? No, 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 no. They're, no, no. You don't have a spirit animal. There's a Holy Spirit. I'm a spirit animal. I'm talking about heaven. You'll, you'll, you'll learn to see God, yourself, the way God sees you. You'll, but right now, why don't you just see yourself the way you see the baptismal? Let's just start there. Because there are certain places that you wouldn't do that. And I'm not saying you gotta be perfect. I'm just saying there's something about us saying, I'm gonna make the best home for Jesus in my heart in this season. I I'm gonna try. And I'm not, I'm not here to judge anybody, but I'm telling you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do that, and I want you to write down everything God does in your life over this next year. Watch. If you make it your goal, this heart, I'm not gonna get, and I'm talking about not just sex, not just drugs, right? Because some of y'all who don't smoke or don't drink are like, yes, I'm good. No, offense, stress, judgment. Oh, boy. So it's so funny how we become critical and judgmental of critical and judgmental people. I'm talking about that. Politics. This person's a Christian. If you vote this way, y'all need to stop. Jesus didn't send people to the polls. He sent them to the upper room so they could pray and believe God. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm not saying don't vote. Please vote. That's an important civic duty. But your kingdom duty is prayer. Don't confuse your civic duty with your kingdom duty. Do both. Do both. Christ will make his home in your hearts. What do you want Jesus' home to look like? I, I know you are believing for your own dream home your own dream house, like I am. But what do you want the home of Jesus to look like? And then I was believing that, that as I started pressing into this word, I felt like God showed me Genesis chapter one, the Holy Spirit hovered. 
The original translation is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The original translation is the Holy Spirit moved across the surface of the waters. Holy Spirit had no home. He was on people. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came on David and never left. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson, but the Holy Spirit had stopping. He had like bus stops. Are you a bus stop for the Holy Spirit? Because he wants a home. But then the Bible says when Jesus got baptized and he was affirmed by the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one place, the Holy Spirit fell and rested on Jesus. So God was showing me that if you're believing for your dream house, and again, I say this clearly, whatever it is that you're believing for, you got to give Jesus the perfect dream home in your heart, and the Holy Spirit needs the dream home through the church unity. The Holy Spirit dwells in the unity of the church. Uh, Ephesians 2.20 says this, together we are in his house. This is why we don't have a campus yet, because we're not unified yet. We got to get unified. You got these people going out and doing this. We got to unify. You're going to have an opportunity to give, and giving's really about unity more than it's about the amount. I want to be unified with what God's doing, and I'm telling you, count what God does in your life. If you unify yourself with the church and you give your heart, make sure your heart is a wonderful place for Jesus to live. Watch what God does. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and, and the prophets, and, and Jesus is the cornerstone. That house is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So every day I want you to wake up and say, Jesus lives in my heart, and I want it to be an awesome place. And then no more coming to church, and you're not connected, and you're not unified, and you just come and get a good word, and then you go home. We got to do it together. If you commit to this, I'm telling you, it, it'll, it'll blow your mind. So Jesus says, I want to give you the dream, but first, we need a dream home for the Holy Spirit and a dream home for Jesus. And, I, and I've been really wrecked by this word because so many times I, I, I thought about when I think about church, I think about the building. 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 And when I think about the church expanding, I think about more buildings, more locations. And I feel like God was showing me that that's one of the reasons why there's a delay on the campus because we got to think about your house. Can I tell you something that the blood of Jesus in the Old Testament hit the door post of the home before in the New Testament it hit the foot of the cross? The blood was on the home before it was on the cross. Beautiful passage of scripture in the book of Exodus where, 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 where they, uh, uh, the, the blood of a spotless lamb was put on the doorpost and the angel of death that was there to take out the Egyptians bypassed the home based off the blood that was on the doorpost. And I think so many times we, we, we preach the cross in the building, we forget that the, the salvation was a lower level of salvation. It wasn't saved from our sin, but the first salvation was to the home. It was to the home. What if you said to yourself, in this season, my home is my sanctuary. I'm not going to live in hell at my house. My eyes are not going to set, my eyes are not going to look at things that hell is promoting and then come to church and have it prayed off of me and then go back into it. I'm going to make my house, whatever I would do in the baptismal, try this, whatever you do in the baptismal, don't, whatever you wouldn't do in the baptismal, don't do it in your house for one week. Try it. Watch what happens. If you wouldn't stress, you wouldn't know. Nobody in the baptism, baptismal, it's 
beautiful. I use that as an example because people are, are like, they have the presence of God. I love to baptize people. I've never baptized anybody. Like, okay, my hair is going to get wet, so make sure I have a hair tie. Nobody's thinking about anything but Jesus. And it's beautiful because for those few moments, for those few moments, it's like he's the only thing that matters. And then we get out of the baptism, we go back to this life, and God's saying, can I, can I bless the home, the, the, the healthy home? And, and there's this crazy thing because some of you guys, like, I've never experienced this. You've never even grown up in a healthy place. And some of you guys might think church, and, and I do believe God wants to bless our church. Matter of fact, there's a scripture in Haggai, chapter 2, verse 9 and 12, or, or verse 9, where it says the glory of the present house. They had lost everything. That the temple had been destroyed. And it says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. The old temple had been torn down, destroyed, the one that Solomon built. And they're now building, rebuilding the temple. Some of you are in a season of rebuilding. And the same word of the Lord is to you that the glory of what you're rebuilding will be greater than what was destroyed. And I can only picture them working on that building, hammering away, talking amongst each other, saying, man, remember, I can't believe God's finally letting us rebuild this. So amazing. Remember how much gold was in the old temple? Man, that temple was beautiful. Remember we used to drink like wine. The cups were made of gold. The silver was made of gold. Man, Solomon built a great temple. We're going to get that back. Gosh, this is so good. Remember how big it was, how spacious it was, all the gardens, all the food. I can't believe we're going to get that back. Remember that time Queen Sheba came and she said that she had never seen anything like that, man, we're going to get that back. I mean, Solomon had 700 wives, but who cares? <laughs> the gold, man. We're going to get the dream house back. I mean, none of Solomon's kids obeyed God, but they were a wreck. But the dream house, we get that back. It's amazing. I mean, I think, didn't Solomon write Ecclesiastes that Everything he had worked to build was meaningless, but maybe he just wasn't appreciating. Maybe it wasn't Thanksgiving that week because of the gold dream house. And they're working building their dream house, not realizing that they had missed the point. And this is how we know we missed the point, because there were two groups of people working on rebuilding the house. One, who, the people who had seen the old house and all its opulence and all its amazingness, and, and, and the other were, were young people who didn't see it. This is why God has to use young people sometimes, because they don't know nothing. Sometimes the worst thing you can have in a move of God is experience. Because you're, you're able to say, okay, I've seen this and I want that. I drove down this street and that's what I want. My, not realizing that you could have the house the size of Solomon, but also get Solomon's kids. Also get Solomon's married life because you're working for the dream house. And I know that certain people didn't get it because in the book of Ezra, come on, we in Ezra, come on, Old Testament. 
In the book of Ezra, verse 10, it says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and their trumpets and the Levites with cymbals took their places to praise God for getting the dream house back. As prescribed by King David of Israel with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he's good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the other temple, seen the wealth of the other temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. You know why? Because they were building the foundation. And Bible scholars say the foundation was hardly bigger than this section. And then the person who was in charge told them to stop working. They're like, why? We're done with the foundation. But how could this, that temple that Solomon had fit on this foundation? Oh, this is going to be much smaller. This is not going to have the gold, but the glory is going to be greater. Why? Because the Lord was moving the glory out of the building into the people. I, I, I'm telling you, Colossians 3 says this, Christ in us is the hope of glory. So what the Old Testament didn't understand is that Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was packing his bags in the book of Ezra and moving out of the temple into you and I. And if we would allow God to build his dream home in our hearts and his dream home in this church, I don't know what your dream is, but I promise you it's on the way because it's the fruit of what comes out of your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart for all the issues of life flow from the heart. 